You know, sometimes people will say, I have a sense of deja vu, and you remember doing something once in the past, but this is becoming more like Groundhog Day, and it's happening over and over again that we end up just transmitting our worship services online as you are experiencing here this morning. But do you ever feel like you're in the dark? Maybe you're confused and you don't know what job to take after graduation. There are so many different possibilities for you. Maybe you're in the dark because your marriage isn't working very well right now and you don't know what to do in order to make it work. Maybe you're worried about Christmas because Christmas celebrates the birth of a baby and you're not really sure if you're ever going to be able to have children yourself. So it, you're, you're in the dark because of that. Maybe you feel rejected by a friend because of a relationship or, or maybe the boss, he, he talks to everyone else about things to do with the business but never says a word to you. The dark isn't a fun place to be, but what we need in those times is some light. And one of the amazing things and most encouraging aspects of the Christmas story is the fact that we read, the people who walked in darkness have seen a glorious light. So that's what we hold on to. We live in a dark world. And if you don't believe me, all you need to do is watch the evening news or just surf through the internet and, and look at the headlines and you realize that we are in a dark world. Our culture is dysfunctional, it's dangerous, and it's deviant. But that's not to say that there aren't some glimpses of light that we find in our world. But it's all cast against a backdrop that too often is more evil than good. And in a lot of ways, this is very similar to what was going on back in the first of the book of Genesis. Because there it says that the earth lacked shape and was totally empty. And a dark, an actual dark fog draped over the deep. And then God spoke and he created the sun and the moon and he brought light and life into the darkness. But soon after that, sin entered into the world and brought a new kind of darkness, a darkness that has plagued humanity ever since. And in a lot of ways, right now is quite similar to when Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago. So in this series of messages, we've been looking at the word Advent, and Advent actually means coming. And last week, James looked at one account in the book of Mark, and today we're going to be looking at a different account in the Gospel of John. And it's going to be similar to last weekend because there, it, it doesn't really sound like the typical Christmas story of a baby being wrapped in the manger. But as we go through this today, you'll see that yes, the Christmas story is there in John chapter 1. So one of the most common and powerful images for who God is, is that God is light and that he shines in the darkness and that he actually calls us to live with him and to share that light. The Bible talks about Satan being cast into utter darkness while God sits on a throne that is just bathed in light. 
Now, at Christmas, we talk about light a lot. We even sing about it. We say, may your days be merry and bright. Nobody wants to sing, may your days be merry and dark. And that wouldn't make sense at all. And then just think about all the Christmas lights that we put up. We see them everywhere in our streets and in our neighborhoods. It's my job to put up the outside Christmas lights each year. And there was a beautiful day in late November, and I thought this is the perfect day to do that. But I had so much going on that it was 9 o'clock at night before I was finally able to get at this job. And my wife, Pat, says, what are you doing? It's it's black out there. And I said, I've got to get this done. And then a couple doors down, we have a retired couple, and, and she sends her little old husband over to hold the ladder because he doesn't want me to fall. And I'm thinking, if I fall, I'm going to crush you. But it was great that he was there. But when I got those lights up, and then I went and I plugged them in, all of a sudden, the light just dispelled the darkness, and I was no longer working in the dark. As the Apostle John describes what happened at Christmas, he says, the light shined in the darkness. And so now, because of Jesus, it's possible that we can live in this dark world and yet still have joy, knowing that the darkness will ever be able to overcome God's powerful light. So 2,000 years ago, God shined his light into the world to deal with the darkness. But we're actually still waiting for him to end that darkness completely. That will come at the next advent when Jesus returns. And we know that the gospel is the deepest solution to our problems. But we also know that right now we're between heaven and earth. We're in this in-between place, and we're waiting for that next advent to happen, and we're waiting for eternal salvation in heaven. But there are some dark places as we live here that need a dose of light, and that's where you come in, because in order for people to live faithfully in between darkness and light, there are three foundational truths that we find right here in John chapter 1. So the first one is the fact that God created the world. Now that's a basic tenant, but it's just a starting point. And before we look at this passage, I want you to understand one of the reasons for which God created the world. It was, and, and why Jesus came from heaven to earth. It was so that he could be a visible representation of God's word. So John actually uses the word, word, with his description of Jesus. He uses that to underscore this aspect of his deity. So with that in mind, let's look at John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning, there was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him. And nothing was made without him. In him there was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. We lost our power during that windstorm back in the evening of December 6th, and I woke up at 6.30 in the morning, and it was pitch black. And I 
found my way down to the kitchen. I remembered where the matches were, and I got the matchbox out, and then I lit one of the candles that we have on top of our kitchen table. And all of a sudden, it just became so much brighter. And then I lit the other three candles, and I ate breakfast and was reading while I was eating my cereal. And then I went down to the basement to my workout room, and I took just one candle with me down into that dark room, and I was riding the exercise bike, and I could still read because of that light. Later on, I realized I could have just used my cell phone and the flashlight that's on it, but instead I'm back in 19 or 1899 or something like that. So John begins by reminding us that God created the world. And Jesus was involved in the process. He, he was right there beside God the Father. And the way I look at it is, if someone can actually put the solar system in place, then he can make all the rules that he wants. And I'm going to obey those. And no matter how dark some of the corners of the world may seem, God is still the creator and sustainer of it all. And because of sin, it's not as he originally made it, but he's no less powerful to overcome the darkness. Now for some of you, I know that Christmas isn't a very good time of year. It's a difficult time of year. And for most of us, the darkest place wasn't actually a location. It was an event or a season that you went through. Maybe you were expecting to receive a nice Christmas bonus and instead you were downsized. Maybe you, it was struggles that come with aging. I just discovered that I have a tear in the meniscus of my left knee from trying to jump over a mud puddle at 62 years of age. Should have walked around it. But, and then maybe for you, the issue is the loss of a loved one. It might be the dashed hope of a child who was trying out for a sports team or to be a part of some musical performance. Maybe it's the guilt that accompanies the temptation to sin that you just struggle to say no to. That's why we need the light of Christ in our lives because he can make the darkness flee. And sin is still in the world. It's in us but God has the power to do something about it if we just let him and if we join him in the light. There's a second foundational truth that's found in John chapter 1, and that is the fact that God loves the world. And the best-known passage of Scripture is probably one that comes just a couple of chapters after this one, and it's John chapter 3, verse 16. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him may not be lost, but have eternal life. So God isn't just the creator of the world. He also gives us the power over darkness. And he sees people who struggle, people who are lost, people who are hurting. And love compelled him to shine his light, Jesus, into the world, to make the way for us, so that as individuals we would be freed from the power of sin, and more importantly, so that we would have salvation made possible for us. And when that happens, it just chips away at a world that's full of darkness. 
And then in verses 9 to 13 we read, The true light that gives light to all was coming into the world. The word was in the world, and the world was made by him. But the world did not know him. He came to the world that was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to all who did accept him and believe in him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They did not become his children in any human way, by any human parents or human desire. They were born of God. So it's your responsibility to accept him. And you don't automatically get the benefits of what Jesus has done for us. You actually have to choose to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Let's just imagine that this was a normal day. I had this message prepared before we decided to cancel in-person service. But you're uh, going out to your car after the service, and all of a sudden I appear there with this big, beautifully wrapped Christmas gift. And I say, I've got something for you. And this gift is something that you really want. In fact, this is going to be the most important needed gift that you are going to receive this Christmas. And you don't know that I put a whole lot of time and effort into this. And I tell you, you can open it right now. It's okay. Go ahead. And you say, oh, pastor, thank you so much. Wow. I, I can't tell you what this means to me. But I've got to go somewhere right now. I can't open it right now. Is it okay if I open it later? And I say, sure, that's fine. Have a Merry Christmas. And then you walk off to your car and say, thank you so much. Now let's say then everything worked out and we had Christmas Eve services a few days later. And you're on your way out of one of the services. And I just kind of sheepishly say to you, hey, what did you think of the gift? And you say, oh, 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 the gift. You know what, Pastor? I've been so busy. You know what December's like? It's a crazy month. But since that gift came from you, I've separated it from the other gifts I've received. And it's still there off to the side of my tree. And it, it means so much to me that you bought it for me. Then let's assume that for the next couple of months, we're shut down because of COVID. And I'm not being a prophet on this. This was just a hypothetical thing. And then uh, things open up again. And I go to a restaurant with my wife to finally celebrate our anniversary, which is happening right in the midst of a shutdown now. And, uh, and you see me there at the restaurant. And you come flying over. You basically go crazy. And, and you say, you know what? Uh, We've been talking about you, and this is a God thing that we end up in this restaurant together. And I say, yeah, it's good to see you. Did you open the gift? Well, no, I haven't, but I was telling someone today, can you just imagine that out of all the people in the church, the pastor chose me to give this gift? But you haven't opened the gift yet, have you? No, I haven't, but I will someday. And you know something, a gift is only a gift if it's received. If it's not opened, then it's impossible to be utilized. It doesn't serve its purpose. And you know something, some of you actually treat Jesus that way. You know the Christmas story. You can quote the details. You recognize why Jesus came and the implications of all of that. 
but you've never done what the wise men did when they found the Christ child. They bowed down and they worshiped him. And maybe you're quick to say, someday I will, but I'm in a hurry now. You, you know how busy December is, but I'm kind of preoccupied. Or maybe you're just apathetic toward the gift and you say, someday I'll open it, someday I'll receive it. Well, I certainly hope that it's today because I want to say this to you as lovingly as I can. The unopened gift of Jesus, the Savior of the world, is absolutely of no good to you if you do not accept him and receive that gift. Well, I certainly hope it's today. And John 1.12, remember it said, But to all who did accept him and believe in him, he gave the right to become the children of God. So if you choose to receive that gift, you become part of his family. And there are some significant implications for those who wholeheartedly receive the gift. In Philippians, Paul wrote, God offers a peace that passes all understanding. That means when things just don't make sense and people come up to us and they say, how are you doing? And your response is, I can't explain it, but God is just giving me the strength that I need. He's giving me a peace in the midst of this chaos in my life. That's what God gives to his family members. And Ephesians chapter 2 says that God will just shower us with his gift of grace. He's given us grace and forgiveness, and we don't deserve it. But we read John 3.16, where we're told that we get eternal life if we choose it. And, and that's just for starters. And when we come together as the children of God, united in purpose and in freedom from sin and darkness, we can overcome the world. And that light will dispel the darkness around us. So Jesus is the source of light that we are to radiate. And when it comes to the light, you have two choices. You can just kind of absorb it, or you can radiate it. And there are some people who think that the whole world kind of revolves around them, and they're just trying to soak in all that spotlight, all that glory every chance that they get. But if you're part of the family of God, you realize that the world doesn't revolve around you, but you spend your time trying to reflect God's light everywhere that you possibly can. See, today we find ourselves living in between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And we want to be prepared for his return. And at Christmas, we don't just celebrate that the light came, but we realize that that light was handed off to us so that it's now our turn to carry that light into a dark world. And some of you need to shine your light and that love to maybe family. It, it could be friends. And you need to encourage them to open up that gift of Jesus and to check him out. In a normal year, it might be at the office staff party where you go up to someone and you know that they're struggling in their life. And you just befriend them and you start to talk to them about 
the real meaning of Christmas. Maybe it would be a family reunion that you would go to and you know that you have a relative that still doesn't know who Jesus is. You shine your light into that person's life. Or maybe it's going to a store or a restaurant and you smile. Right now it's smiling underneath a mask. But we're, you're trying to let the staff know that you appreciate them. So we're hoping that they just see the, our eyes wrinkling when we smile. And you could anonymously give a gift to a neighbor or a co-worker in need. You can celebrate the light and God's love. So we've got the fact that God created the world, that God loved the world, and now there's a third thing that we can draw out of this, a third truth. And it's the one that is probably the most obvious one at Christmas time, and that is the fact that God entered the world. And that's the most amazing part of the Christmas story, that God left heaven and he then came down to live here on this world. He left a perfect paradise to come and take the form of a human with all the limitations that we have in order to come and make his home with us. So John, in verse 14, he goes back to using that word uh, term again, and he said, the word, meaning Jesus, became a human and lived among us. We saw his glory, the glory that belongs to the only Son of the Father, and he was full of grace and truth. I want you just to think for a moment about the nicest place that you have ever stayed. Maybe it was a five-star hotel. For my wife Pat and I, it was the Banff Springs Hotel. They had this deal on that if you stayed in the hotel, you could play the golf course for free. And the golf course was $250 per person. We didn't get the best room in the hotel. We had to climb a couple of sets of stairs after we took an elevator. But it was gorgeous, and the view was gorgeous. Maybe it was a luxurious bed and breakfast that you stayed in. Maybe you were on a cruise, and from your window you could see the Caribbean Ocean. Maybe it was staying in some rich uncle's condo that was right on the ocean, and you had this amazing view. But have you got the spot? And now can you just imagine that you are living there all the time. You're living your entire life in that location. And then all of a sudden, one day, you're moving out and living the rest of your life in a makeshift tent in the woods out on the outskirts of a city. I've tried to come up with some type of comparison, and it's impossible for us to do, but that's the best that I could do because everything falls short when compared with Jesus leaving heaven and coming down to earth to live with us. So this is the Spirit of God taking the form of flesh. And for Jesus to travel that far and to give up what he did and what he had, for him to give up his very own life, that is unconditional love at the highest level. I want to read the paraphrase of John chapter 1, verse 14. It comes from the message. And it says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. 
So that's my Jesus. In order to shine his light most brightly and to rescue the world he created and loves, he put skin on. And he came to live with humans. And he became approachable and reliable and relatable and relevant. And the list could just go on and on. And the book of Hebrews actually talks about Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For our high priest is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. That's our Jesus. But don't we have a tendency to kind of sanitize him? We picture him in a white robe, and he's always up on the side of a mountain, and he's praying, and he's talking to God, spending time by himself. But that is so far from the biblical picture that is painted of him in the Gospels. He, we don't see him as someone who was spending time with sinners. We don't see him as someone who was getting dirty, as someone who was having fun, someone who was spending time with his neighbors. And the only problem with that picture is that it's the exact opposite of what the scriptures say. And in fact, the biggest complaint of the religious leaders was that Jesus spent all of his time with the sinners. And since we're people who are trying to follow Jesus, we're trying to reflect his light in the world, we can be people who, like Jesus, can just step purposefully and prayerfully into the darkness and suffering, and we can make a difference. We can be a light. We can shine in that darkness. That's what Jesus did when he passed through that door of heaven and then he entered into earth and took on the form of humanity, he went from divinity to humanity. The word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. And that's quite a trip. And if someone came that far, that proves beyond any shadow of a doubt his love for you. Now I read a story about a young couple who were kind of troubled, and the husband and wife had gone through some rocky times, and the young wife had become so disillusioned with being a wife and overwhelmed with parenting that she just had to get away. And one morning, the husband woke up, and he looked at the pillow beside him, and there was a note, and she was gone. And his first instinct was to rush after her, but he knew that she needed some space. But he still uh, called her cell phone that day and every day for over a week. And he told her that he loved her. He said that we need you. And he begged her to come home. And there were times when he called her when uh, she wasn't really speaking, but he could hear her sobbing in the background. But she never came home. But then as Christmas approached, that young father became more intentional and he hired a private investigator to help him find his wife. And a week later, the guy found her and she was in this horrible hotel. It was in a seedy area of a city about a thousand kilometers away from where they lived. And the investigator didn't alert her but contacted the husband. And then several days before Christmas, he drove to that city, he drove to that hotel, and here she was in this horrible room. It was dimly lit. The bed was all springs, basically. And 
She never felt more lonely than she had ever felt in her life. And then suddenly there was a knock on the door. At first it was just kind of lightly, and then it just kept picking up in rhythm. And so eventually she went over and peeked through the curtain and saw that it was her husband. So she very quickly went over and pulled the chain aside and opened the door, and she jumped into his arms, and he said the same words that he had on all those phone calls. I love you. We need you. Won't you come home? And she quickly went and threw what few clothes she had into this small suitcase, and she was out the door with him to the car. And then... But 10 days later, after they had put the Christmas tree back in the attic and the children were back in school, and he asked her, why did you wait so long to come home? I begged you dozens of times. What took you so long to come home? And she said, well, you told me that you loved me. You told me that you needed me. But until you came, I didn't believe it. 2,000 years ago, the advent occurred when the God of the universe came. He left heaven, and he came through the doorway of earth. And he set aside his power and authority to reveal his love and his humility. And he came to bring light where there was darkness, so that rather than hearing that God loves you, you could see that he loved you because he put it into action. Someone doesn't travel that far unless they love you, unless they want to build a relationship with you. You have an opportunity to do just that, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can confess his name. You can repent of the sin in your life. You can say, I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and I accept him into my life. And you can be baptized, and you can demonstrate the, his death, burial, and resurrection in that baptism. And you can walk in the light for the rest of your life. <laughs> 